Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris along with you on this Thursday morning. A little over 48 hours away from Gamecocks and the Commodores kicking off Saturday afternoon, high noon out there at williams Bryce Stadium. Coverage starting here on the game bright and early 7 a.m. Myself and Terry Ford for Gamecocks game day. Uh, as usual, we heard from the coordinators on Wednesday, yesterday, uh, Dow Loggins. Dow Loggins, as always, gives very long, detailed answers on things, which I really appreciate. But I talked about a couple different things, um, one of them being Xavier Leggett, who this past weekend we obviously saw back at full health as the prior two games against a and Missouri. He was certainly banged up and not his usual self, explodes for over 200 yards, and a couple touchdowns this past weekend against Jacksonville State seems to be back on track, and we're hoping for a big game out of him this upcoming weekend. Dow Loggins had a really good couple minutes here on what Xavier Leggett has meant to this program in Loggins' first year here as the offensive coordinator. Here's what he had to say yesterday. Everything, because it's not because, like, this is a guy that you get emotional about when you talk about um, <clears throat> because of his story and where he's come from. Um, and how he did it. And, you know, I got here and people were, everyone was talking about Juice. And it's a funny story because the one kid, one of the kids on the team, Landon Greer, came to me and was like, I'm telling you, number 17 is a dog. Wait till you see him. And you see this guy, and you're like, wow, like, he's an impressive looking athlete, but you see his work ethic, man. I talk about it all the time up here. And it was a great example for our young players to watch this guy for Tyshawn Russell and Nick Harbour and Kelton Henderson and CJ Adams and, just to see how this guy works every day, 
every day to the point where we're on a GPS system out right there, um, out there right now. And it's like, Hey, let's cut his practice down 15% because he won't take himself out. I sent him text message last night and I put myself, coach step, uh, coach day and coach Morton in. And I'm like, Hey, Zay, you got to trust us, but we got to cut back your reps. And then he hits back. Well, you know, why are you saying that now? Again, I got to get my work now. And I'm like, you're going to get your work. But you got to trust us on this. Like, we got to get you fresh to Saturday. And you're playing through. Like, talk about people banged up and playing through stuff. There's no – like this. You, he runs 23 miles an hour, scores two touchdowns, goes for 217 yards, and he limps to the sideline. But then it's like when his mindset goes like, hey, I got to go – they're counting on me. I got to go make a play right here. You talk about the difference between being injured and hurt and playing through those things. Like – the kid's, the kid's a stud, and he's going to be really good at the next level, and we're blessed to have him, not because he's a great player, because he's a great kid, and he does things the right way. And you want I want my son watching him at football practice. I want my son to watch him in the offseason doing cone drills, not by himself, but bringing his teammates along with him as well. And he's kind of the Pied Piper when it comes to work and the, all the time that he invests in other people. Like you root for, You root for this guy a lot, big time. First of all, on a scale of 1 to 10, how do we rate Dow Loggins' X impersonation there? 10. 10. I got, I got a 10 on it. I, I clipped it. We were talking about clips yesterday. I clipped yeah. it this morning. We had to put that out. But Tyler, Wes, did you know, Tyler, in addition to being a karaoke singer, oh my goodness. is also an impressionist. I, th- I thought that was your job around here. I, I try. You're, oh, you're one too. I, you I, didn't bring I, doubt, I didn't bring it up because I didn't want it to. Chris doesn't. He doesn't bust it out in public. Very I don't much, advertise. You, you'll see. Chris, Chris will just randomly bust out. Okay. One we'll have to go back and forth with some characters one day. Yeah, I put Tyler fun. on the spot during the the Garnet Trust Hour the other day, and he didn't have any. He was going to think on it. I, I I'll, I'll I'll get you a list. I okay. promise. Okay. Um, I think Spencer actually did a pretty good impression. Oh, they're of, both good. Leggett the other week as well. So, um, but he, I mean, he has that very distinct. <laughs> would you call it a Mullins accent? Is that what we're yes. referring to it as? Yes. Um, I've never been out there. Is that how everybody talks in Mullins? I honestly don't know. I I would say it's on on point on brand on point for that for that region. All that being said, I'm from Belton. I can't say anything, okay. right? So. All, all that being said, uh, Dow Loggins said a lot, a lot of great things there, and you know, told us things that that we already knew about Xavier Leggett, him being a hard worker. But you know, even through these past couple weeks, where he has been banged up and hasn't been able to play like his usual self, I mean, he's still going out there and giving it 110%, and you see the difference when he is feeling good and feeling fresh and what he was able to do Saturday against Jacksonville State, which, again, you're hoping to translate to more as he uh, gets closer and closer to hitting that 1,000-yard mark this season. Yeah, it's been fun to watch, and I think awesome for him, and I think I'm very, very interested to see what the NFL teams start to say when we start to get into that point of the the year where you're really going to start to hear hey this guy's moving up the boards this guy's moving down the boards he's obviously flown i mean would 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 he have been drafted last year i can't imagine so and and unless a team just takes a flyer right like Mm -hmm. they they just fall in love they say this guy look at this guy yeah he's big fast (laughs) he he looks he's looked like an nfl player since he was a freshman on campus he probably would have been one of those guys that gets picked up as an undrafted free agent, mm-hmm. gets into somebody's camp, and is like, wow, where's this guy been? He's been a hidden gym. And then you're talking about, well, well South Carolina didn't utilize this guy for the years that he was on <laughs> campus. What the heck? Um, but fortunately, again, he has. I mean, really 
came along at the end of last season, started showing out a little bit towards the end there um, when everything on South Carolina seemed to start clicking. And then has obviously translated that to an amazing monster year, um, which has obviously been great given the fact that you have not had Juice Wells pretty much the entire year. Confidence, like I keep saying, man, confidence can take you a long way when you're obviously 6'3", 220, and run four fours just when you roll off the couch. Like it's <laughs> uh, pretty crazy just how – physically gifted he is but he has been able to kind of take that and he's turned himself into an all-around receiver like I, I think early on in his career he was a great athlete and everybody could have told you that like him coming out of Mullins everybody that had seen this guy play was like he will be one of the best athletes on the team and it's just a matter of can you develop the skill set that it takes to be a wide receiver we you know we keep talking about that for him though it's not just one particular area. He's a great jump ball guy. He's a catch-and-traffic guy. He's a run-after-the-catch guy. He can block on the outside a little bit, too, with his size. And just uh, he, he can do it all for you, which that a lot of those things only come with, with putting in the time and putting in the work and putting in the effort. So he's deserved every last second of the, the fame he's getting right now, every last dollar he's going to get when he gets his name called at the draft. And, and you can tell, man – the, the coaches over there, they just can't say enough good things about him. I was looking back yesterday. The clip was circulating of uh, Xavier's game-winning touchdown catch against Vandy in 2021. And, guys, first of all, that seems like a long time ago. They, that, they hope they're not in that spot. That, they do hope they're not in that spot. That is very true. That's a side story of that. But that was his only touchdown of the year, and that was one of just eight catches for the entire season, 2021. 9, 7, 8, and 18. That's what he had through his first four years. Five total touchdowns. And so this year he's already scored five touchdowns, so he's matched his previous career total, and he has 50 catches, and like you said, right on the verge of 1,000 yards. And he's going to – it'd be hard to envision him not breaking that this weekend against Vandy. What's he at right now? 973. He needs a 27-yard catch or a series of catches to get to 27 yards. That could literally be the first drive. <laughs> good. We'll just got a good buy or sell off of that. Mm. There you go. Going to have to make it interesting. It's not going to be just he goes over 1,000. I think that's pretty simple. Yeah. We'll have to dress it up a little bit. The, um, the, the fact is we need to just be enjoying how special he is. Yeah, no, absolutely uh, appreciate that. And what Loggins mentioned there as well, he's the perfect guy for these younger guys to learn from as well. Nick Harbour, Tyshawn Russell. I know we haven't talked about Elijah Caldwell this entire season because he was a name that we talked about a lot in the preseason, but somebody else that, you know, when you talk about developing and seeing the right way to go about things and, and coming along as a player and being patient too. Because again, Leggett's been here for five years and it took till the very end for him to really start blossoming and being the player that we all believed he could be when he came in. Um, I think that's a really good role model for these guys to have within the wide receiver room. Well, if you're sitting here looking at, at Nick Harbour, and obviously it's a completely different situation because Harbour comes in as the five-star guy, loaded expectations, and you're always going to have the element of his time going to track as well. And it should. If you're an Olympic potential athlete, absolutely, you should put your time into that as well. So 
I don't think we should sit here and even think that it's possible for Harbor to put as much offseason time into football as maybe Leggett did this past offseason. But if you're Harbor and you're wanting to see the absolute perfect example of a guy who was more of an athlete than a wide receiver coming out of high school, and you want to be able to see, well, what could I be capable, you know, what am I capable of in college? Then I think your your blueprint, your example is right there. So it's good for all those guys, but I think in particular, Nick Harbor is the guy who should be sitting there saying, I need to copy this this person as much as I possibly can. Yeah. I was looking back too. Um, you know, I made the the Brian Edwards comparison the other day. Now, now Brian made, you know, a, a very quick impact as a true freshman. He started all twelve games and had forty four catches. You know, so he was he was a big time recruit and stepped right in and and had a quite consistent career and he built up to his senior year. But even Brian Edwards, his senior year. He had 816 yards. His, his biggest yardage season was 846 as a junior. And so Xavier's already surpassed that. And I, the reason I compared him is those two guys are both just just warriors. There were so many times where you look down. Brian Edwards, he, he played hurt a lot. And during the year, I, I remember hearing, especially now that you know some time has passed, I've heard some stories of like during the week, there were times he just really didn't practice. Like they had him on a big time pitch count because he was banged up a lot but he consistently got it done and there were times you're watching the game and going oh boy brian his ankle looks messed up and then it's like touchdown the next play you know and same thing with xavier i mean when he goes down against missouri on that kickoff you're like "Ah, he'll he'll be fine you know next drive and so he he is human um but sometimes it doesn't seem like it he's just been so impressive with everything he's done uh last thing here on this and and preston brought this up this morning when talking to bill about this Go back to last season, that kickoff return against Texas A&M, which obviously was a great moment, you know, raucous crowd, all that kind of stuff that, you know, end up leading to South Carolina winning that game. How much do you think that did for his confidence that maybe eventually translated to him being more of a factor in the receiver game at the end of last season? I think it was huge, man. I, I think that was the boost that he needed. And then, you know, I, I think the way he finished, it, that was the boost for him to finish the year. And then the way he finished the year, was the boost he needed going into the offseason. I think sometimes sometimes having a change at coordinator as well, a change at coach and saying, hey, I got a fresh start here with this new guy. And Dal Loggins sees a lot of potential in me and, and thinks I can be the dude here. And so I, I think all those things go into what we've seen this year. Obviously, there's a lot of God-given ability here. Like just anybody couldn't walk out there and just work their way to being – what he's been for South Carolina this year. But certainly the combination of that, the work ethic, and the confidence, I think, combines into what we're seeing so far this season. Absolutely, and certainly excited to see him uh, eclipse, hopefully, 1,000 yards this uh, Saturday against uh, Vanderbilt. We'll hear more from uh, Dow Loggins and uh, some offensive scheming ahead of Saturday's game coming up here. But real quick, have another pair of tickets for South Carolina women's basketball as they get set to take on number 14, Maryland, coming up Sunday at 1 o'clock at Colonial Life Arena. Caller number 5 right now, 803-404-6100. Win that pair of tickets again. Caller number 5, 803-404-6100. Captain Dave standing by to take that call. Hear more from Loggins coming up here on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. 
Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Tyra West and Chris along with you on this Thursday. Head on over to our Twitter at 107.5 The Game. Vote in our poll. Today's poll is what is your level of confidence for the Vanderbilt game on Saturday? Your options are it's Vandy, easy win. Uh, you have should win but concerned. And then lastly, you have I'm afraid we'll lose. Uh, if you guys had to guess, which option do you think is winning right now? The middle one. Middle one. Mm-hmm. That that would be correct. Yep. I'm 50%. Should win, but uh, concerns. Actually, eh. 73%. Wow, okay. Um, I will say I'm afraid we'll lose is currently in second place. Oh, my goodness. A little bit of concern around Gamecock Nation. Heavy negativity there. A little bit. Not a little bit. A lot of bit. Well, That's... 15%. No, I'm saying among that group. Oh, among like, that group. Yeah, definitely. A lot. Um. No, nobody should go into this game thinking you're going to lose to Vandy. No, and, you know, I, I was I brought up some of the numbers of, you know, where they rate out, like, in the SEC and nationally, and Vanderbilt is low in a lot of categories. Carolina's low in plenty of categories themselves, but, like, the talent alone should be the difference here. That being said, we know everybody chucks that Vandy's an easy win, and they somehow manage at least, you know, seems like every year, if not every other year, to win a game that you feel like they shouldn't. Um but I feel like as long as South Carolina does not defeat themselves on Saturday, they should be fine here. Vandy only has four wins in this series and haven't won one since 2008. And that was one of the worst games I've ever seen was in 2007. That was mm-hmm. the first of that little two-game winning streak, 17-6 to in Columbia. I believe that was Earl Bennett, um, who then went on to the Chicago Bears, Had I think had a big game in that one. He had... You know, 37 catches, I think, in the game, it seemed like. Who would have Vanderbilt's coach have been then? Bobby Johnson. Bobby Johnson, okay. And then there was also another little two-game winning streak. Woody Weidenhofer's Vanderbilt Commodores back in 1998 and 99. An 11-10 to game in 1999. That had to be a JP. That's what I was going to yeah. say. That had to be a high noon a JP special sports Dave game. Neal calling that thing. I don't know if that one was on TV, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's kind of like uh, tonight's Thursday night football game with the Bears and the and the Panthers. Like it, nobody's gonna watch this. Nobody's gonna watch that. No, but I mean it, this is and and listening to Dowell Loggins' comments yesterday, I I'm I'm not saying he was he was reaching to say something good about Vanderbilt. Uh, that was not the case. But you contrast what he said about Vanderbilt's defense, yeah, with what he said about like. Georgia mm-hmm. and Texas A&M about how they just have just NFL dudes all over the place. Vanderbilt, it's more like they're real well coached. They're opportunistic, right? Yep. Th- those those are the things that you get. And so he, he also had a line of, look, we've got to take care of the football and, and not give them those opportunities. And you kind of get the sense that he feels if you do that, you'll be fine. And you know what? He's probably right because this is a defense that is in the top third of the SEC and defensive takeaways, Vandy is. But other than that, the picture's not that pretty. Third yeah. down defense, not good. Points per game, not good. They're in the hundreds nationally and towards the bottom of the SEC, if not at the bottom, in those categories. And so South Carolina's been really good at not turning the football over. I think 10 total all year. Been much better than last season. That was a big point of emphasis. They've, they've actually passed that test this season. It's an area where you've, you've got to make sure that you're solid. By the way, uh, well-coached team is one of my favorite coaching cliches. Yeah. Because that's like the one thing you say when you don't really have anything else to say. Like, oh, of course they're well-coached. You know, it's like they're terribly coached. But, yeah, Loggins did say that. Um, 
one thing, one other thing that he talked about yesterday that I wanted to let y'all hear a little bit here is talking about running some three-back sets with this offense, which now that you have to carry on Joyner out with an injury this weekend, that could kind of change things we, up. We won't be seeing those this week. Yeah, probably, maybe not. But here's his <laughs> comments on that from this past weekend against Jacksonville State. It's, it's a really good question. It's, it's really about getting your best 11 on the field. And now you have an injury with Trey Knox, and he's not, you know, he's not be able to play. And, you know, Josh Simon can't play 60 snaps, 75 snaps in a game. He can't play every snap. So then it's like you got Juju, DK, um, who are also versatile players. And for those guys to do what they did in that game, like they, they essentially learned different positions inside the week. Um, and really, super, I was super impressed with those guys. Uh, is uh, you know, DK is basically in the game. He's playing slot receiver. Why? Like as a tight end blocking stuff that tight ends block, and then playing some running back as well. Um, so you can only do that when you have really smart players that have position flexibility, and you can make two back look like one back. It, you can be in two back personnel, but be in one back sets and still run your plays. Because if you can't do that, then the volume of offense starts stacking on everybody. So you can't say like we could say, hey, this play is eleven personnel slash thirty, but it's now DK's the Y, Juju's the F, Mario's still the H, and it could still be with AB's the F. Um, Josh Simon's the why. So you, the volume for, to be able to put that on people, like you have to have two really smart guys, which we have. And it was really for us to, hey, let's spell our tight ends because so that those guys aren't playing 75 snaps a game. And let's get our best 11 on the field because we have these two players that have the ability to do it. And as you mentioned there, with DK being out this weekend, probably not going to see those three back sets. How much does him not being in the lineup? And, of course, Mario Anderson has emerged as RB1 when it comes to taking the traditional handoffs. But as, as, as Dow Loggins mentioned there, DK does give you the opportunity to do a couple different things. How much does not having him this weekend change what you do from an offensive standpoint, at least in regards to that position? Well, I think it changes it tremendously if Trey Knox is not available. So you wouldn't normally maybe equate those two things, but based on what Dialogues is telling us that essentially the two-back stuff, the three-back stuff, it replaced what used to be their two-tight-end stuff. And we really haven't maybe talked as much about two-tight-ends for South Carolina as much as maybe we did a, a couple years ago when it was just deemed to be, hey, this is going to be their base offense. Well, they've really gotten into two-tight-end quite a bit. And for the most part, their personnel – is either three wide receivers, one tight end, or it's two tight ends, two receivers. And so they really, without having that second tight end and Trey Knox that has played a bunch, they kind of moved Josh Simon to the primary tight end, and they said, look, we're going to use Juju and carry on essentially almost as tight ends as far as their personnel goes. We saw Juju play some slot, which I think is actually a pretty good fit for him. Like he said, we saw carry on doing some things that your tight end would have been doing. So if you don't have to carry on and you don't have Trey Knox, it, it actually affects things quite a bit. And it, it probably puts the onus on them to either just play way more three receiver stuff to play Luke Doty a little bit more in the slot again as a bigger guy than AB. I think you could see that as a tweak. And then... Also, you're not – so DJ Braswell hasn't really played a ton this year anyway. So you may play him as your your third-string running back, true running back, but you're not going to play him in this joiner 
tight end slash slot slash running back, put all this on your shoulders type role. If if he hasn't been able to get on the field just playing running back, you're not going to put that on your true freshman's shoulders with one week to learn it. Yeah, you see the guys that they had out there doing that, and, and Dowell Loggins mentioned, not, not that Braswell is not an intelligent player, right, but he talked about their experience and their intelligence. I mean, to carry on, Joyner is a six-year guy. Mario Anderson, first year here, but has played a lot of college football. Juju McDowell has played a good bit of college football. So that experience is a reason you feel like you can do that. And to your point, Wes, you're not going to take a guy who's a freshman who's barely played and say, remember, Loggins said, hey, they're, they're basically kind of learning a new position you know, during the week as you're preparing for an opponent. Absolutely. We'll uh, hear a little bit more of a preview of Vanderbilt, hear what Coach White had to say about them coming up as uh, the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs rolls on here on the game. Yeah, I mean, they have wide offs, they have skilled players, they have guys who can take the top off. They have a slot receiver in 83. They have a tight end that's 220 pounds that used to play wide receiver. They have a tight end that run, that's a gunner on punt team. So they have guys that can stretch the field. So our guys understand that we have to do a great job of playing top down. Uh, make them snap it again, you know. I've always been, let's not give up big plays for touchdowns, but obviously we did last week. That's that's a backbreaker. And obviously every week I preach that, so we got to continue to make sure we, we limit that for sure. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Chris had to bounce with Tyler and Wes along with you for the rest of the show. Clayton White yesterday talking about Vanderbilt and the ability that they have on offense as far as explosive plays go. And again, when you look at most of their offensive categories, they're pretty low uh, when it comes to both SEC and national rankings, but they do generate a lot of explosive plays. Very good at that, particularly when it comes to the receiving game, uh, led by uh, Will Shepard, who is one of the best overall, eighth overall actually in the SEC in explosive plays alone. Uh, Comes in with 634 yards and uh, eight touchdowns on the season. So that's one area that South Carolina definitely should be concerned about going into Saturday. Yeah, they'll they'll have to pay attention to that, and I think – Let's be honest, that's something they've really had to focus on for, for most, of, most of the year. It's been a problem for the defense, it's been a problem area. Particularly, it seems like there's been plays where the defensive front just doesn't quite get there, and then you see a ball down the field, and you're you're watching it in the stands, and you're kind of like, all right, there's two guys down there. There's one receiver. This ball should probably be battered away. And, you know, it, it just has not happened, or you'll see – in some cases, kind of go back to Mississippi State, you have the, the slot corner, the nickelback, gets beat, and he, he thinks he has help. He thinks he has a guy over the top that's supposed to be there, and for whatever reason, that, that player is not there either. So it, some of it has just been technique. Some of it has been, if you want to get more detailed, technique sort of at the line of scrimmage. Some of it has been technique when the ball's in the air down the field. And I, I do think – Frankly, I didn't believe this would be something we'd be talking about going into the 10th game of the season for mm-hmm. South Carolina because you, you just looked at what you had at safety coming back. And, you know, I, I know those guys are a little bit more on the sort of like thumper, like hitter side of things as opposed to necessarily being like cover safeties. But I, I really thought in, in year two with, with several of these guys that have played a ton last year that this would not be a huge conversation for us but you have to circle that as a key this week just because it's one of the few things Vandy does well 
and has been an issue for South Carolina. I mentioned that slot position. Again, Will Shepard, their leading receiver, he's a guy they use in a multitude of ways. They put him on the outside. They also bring him into that slot. He mentioned number 83, London Humphreys, who is a primary slot receiver, got four touchdowns on the season, as well as Jaden McGowan. Uh, but it's funny enough, Humphreys and McGowan have exactly the same amount of receiving yards at 380 here. So a couple different looks that you can put into that slot position that, again, I imagine Vanderbilt's going to be really keying in on because that's where South Carolina has struggled defending pretty much this entire season. Yeah, you know, and I think Kilgore has been good there, but I, I think this will be a challenge for for South Carolina. And, I mean, the, the, league, has, the league has some really good slot receivers, and we, we've sort of seen that proven th- throughout the year. You do have... Another little interesting layer here with uh, McGowan, state of South Carolina guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, someone that South Carolina did not offer. And, you know, he wanted a South Carolina offer. Not the biggest kid, obviously. And that, that was kind of the knock there. But but is a runner, is a speed guy. I'm sure he will be pumped up to play at Williams-Brice Stadium. Interestingly enough, as fate would have it, he did camp at South Carolina as part of a 707 and was dealing with an injury that day. And so it, it just did not work out to where he was his full self for, for that day and then doesn't get the offer from South Carolina and has has actually carved out a pretty – I'm pulling up his PFF numbers now. He's carved out a pretty good little career through a couple of seasons at Vandy – has for the most part been a starter for them and I th- I think is more kind of their primary slot guy. If I can get into the deeper numbers here on PFF, but uh, obviously anytime a guy is that size, they're sure. they're more of a slot guy than anything. But I, I imagine the games he didn't start, that was more because they were in a two tight end set to start the game. So he officially did not start, but I think he is their quote unquote starting slot receiver and be a, an important game for him, I'm sure. Speaking of size, this is something that I'm interested to see on Saturday. Obviously, we know South Carolina struggled when it comes to getting off the field on on, uh, on third downs, gave up over half the third downs to Jacksonville State this past weekend. And uh, White talked about this uh, yesterday as well. They were 0 for 6 in third and short scenarios, so third and two, third and one type deals. Vanderbilt, the quarterback situation has exactly gone how they wanted it to. They had A.J. Swan at the beginning of the year, but through both injuries and bad play, they have now turned things over to Ken Seals. Um, and in the recent games uh, here, including last weekend at uh, Auburn, they have started to roll out Walter Taylor as well. Walter Taylor is six foot seven, and he has the ability to run. Had 59 rushing yards against Ole Miss a couple weeks ago. You want to talk about getting some of those short yard situations where you can bring in a quarterback sneak? I imagine he would be getting the ball in those scenarios. And again, that's something that South Carolina has struggled to defend in general. Now you're going up against potentially somebody that's six foot seven in those conversions. It's going to be even tougher. You know, I think the the key to third and shorts is to avoid third and shorts. Yes. And, you know, so I, I think for, for them, for South Carolina, we, we saw that against Texas A&M. It was a lot of times fourth and shorts, fourth and very short, fourth and one. And then this past week, I think I, I know fans would want to think against a team like Jacksonville State, hey, you should still be able to push them around in some short yardage situations. You, it, It's still going to be advantageous to the offense, especially a run-first offense, especially a team that when they see third and one, Jacksonville State is going to sprint to the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And they're going to snap it. You can't change personnel. You can't change formations you can't really change even the play at times you have to go base play and so 
there is a little bit of that. Now, you we, we've seen South Carolina on the other side at times struggle to create first downs on their own third and short. So it is yep. possible, and it starts up front, obviously. So uh, I think the big thing with that, you're not going to – you're not going to go like five for six on stops on third and one. Would you like to mix in maybe one one stop in there, two stops in there among those? And what sure. that tells me though is that they were allowing themselves in multiple third and shorts. Well, and a lot of that goes back to missing tackles, which is something they had struggled with again last weekend against Jacksonville State, missing thirteen total. And and why I talked about that yesterday as well, where a lot of those were coming in those second and medium to second and long situations where instead of setting them up in a third and five, well now suddenly they have a third and two or a third and one, which again a Jacksonville State was able to convert at a pretty easy clip there. So all goes back to the fundamentals and again, you know, missed ta- or tackles has been something that this team has struggled with so much this season and again reared its ugly head this past weekend yeah and with, with taylor this is a guy i don't think you're gonna have to worry about throwing the football a ton he threw three passes last week he was actually three for three or no he was one for three excuse me um only completed 33 percent for six yards so when, when he comes in you kind of know what you're gonna get from a film prep standpoint has not been a good passer but but yeah you're gonna have to deal with some physicality there Vandy, we'll see if they if they come out here and say, look, we're um, we're going to take some chances like A&M did to kind of stay on the field and, and try to win the game because South Carolina, as we've seen, if they're not getting turnovers, they do sort of struggle to create those tackles for loss, which that that's what keeps a team from being able to do that to you, from mm-hmm. having that easy third down or having those fourth and one situations. you got to knock them back at some point within – First down, second down, or third down. At some point within those sequence, you need to have a zero-yard play or, ideally, a, a negative play. In South Carolina, it feels like for much of the year just has not had enough of those, which has hurt them as far as the math goes You know, in, in these scenarios. Absolutely. Well, speaking of preparing for opposing teams' quarterbacks, uh, that is a role that Lenora Sellers has taken on as a member of the scout team and something that Dow Loggins, or excuse me, Clayton White, spoke about yesterday as well and how much he has done in preparing these defenses. And he talked about that a little bit yesterday. We'll hear from him coming up as you listen to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Yeah, I mean, I just told Coach Dow and the coach of the locker room, I said, I can't believe how fast that guy is. Uh, it's like he's getting faster and bigger every two or three weeks. So it's, it's too good of a look. <laughs> Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler and Wes along with you for a few more minutes for jumping into the halftime show with myself and Terry Ford, Clayton White yesterday talking about Lenora Sellers. And uh, while we certainly don't see him on the field, uh, I haven't seen him on the field a whole lot this season. Uh, he has been getting in his work as the scout team quarterback, helping prepare the defenses for their upcoming opponents and as Clayton White just mentioned there sometimes he gives too good of a look because you know typically you think of, of, of a scout team guy as somebody that's a little bit lower on the skill pole but that is not uh, Lenora Sellers as uh, again we expect him to be the future of the quarterback position here at South Carolina and uh, especially for uh, a game last weekend against a team like Jacksonville State with a running quarterback like Zion Webb Lenora Sellers I imagine gives you a really good idea of what he's going to be like out, on the, out there on the field. I think some people have taken the comments from Clayton White and ran with them a little bit here. This was a compliment to Lenora Sellers. Yes. Um, like, I I feel like this, on Twitter, X, whatever, it has kind of been twisted as one more reason 
to be negative towards Clayton White. You know, like, oh, your defense can't even stop a freshman scout team guy. This was not, you, you heard the sort of little laugh there after he said it. Nothing more than a compliment to Sellers, which not a surprise. And a, a lot of times you start to sort of, you, you get your early indications. If it's not in summer ball when a guy's just gotten on campus, which we were getting those about Sellers then too, but you get your early indications in terms of information gathering from the guys that are able to make the defense or on the other side make the offensive front kind of look bad on scout team. And, you know, you look at Jaron Willis and his expanding role the last couple weeks. It was two weeks before that that Shane Beamer said, man, this Jaron Willis kid, he's giving us fits on scout team. So that that is a way to to put yourself right into the spotlight to potentially help the team this year or a sign for the future. I can remember when Debo Samuel was on scout team and people said if you looked from a blimp and were just watching South Carolina play, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between Pharaoh Cooper, who at, t- at the time was South Carolina's star receiver. Mm-hmm. Debo didn't have a single catch at the time. Right. Freshman guy, freshman, redshirt freshman, something like that. And and Debo, you said they, you couldn't tell the difference between the two, and it was because Debo was giving the defense fits on yeah. scout team. So this can be kind of one of those early signs. Not that there haven't been enough of those signs already for Sellers, but I I think the thing you really take away from that is him saying he looks bigger and faster, which is a mind-boggling thought. Yeah, no, absolutely. And obviously he's got the size and, you know, what he's only – taking the field for the Furman game back in week number two. So um, it looks like he's going to be able to preserve that red shirt, um, you know, season. And, and again, we'll, we'll, there'll be a competition in the offseason between him and Luke Doty. Um, and who knows how a guy like Dante Reno could factor in there. But the expectation is that Lenora Sellers is most likely going to be that next guy. Um, and uh, again, he's, while not playing on the field right now, is uh, apparently doing very well in his role as that scout team guy and being somebody that is so versatile at the quarterback position, being athletic, being able to use his feet, um, it gives you the opportunity to get so many different looks for so many different types of quarterbacks, like a guy like Zion Webb this past weekend, like whether it be Kenny Seals, whether it be this Walter Taylor guy uh, for this upcoming weekend against Vanderbilt too. Yeah, it gives you some flexibility. It gives you really some, some – sometimes I imagine you look out there and you say – we don't have a guy on the roster that can give a perfect look for this opponent, for this skill set. I mean, just a few weeks ago, they were talking about having tight ends have to play offensive line on the scout team. That does matter, uh, I think. So for South Carolina to have him certainly helps. From what I've heard, he, he is the real deal. From what I've heard also, he still looks like a, a freshman at times. So I, I don't want for us to take it and completely run with it because there have been times in practice where – you can tell he's a true freshman, mm-hmm. as you would expect. Sure. So, uh, not a finished product. I I do wonder, to tie all this into a conversation from earlier, no to carry on Joyner. You know, South Carolina hasn't been perfect in short yardage. I, I've been calling for it all year the, long. The package. So, you can't go to your Wildcat, your normal Wildcat package, because there's no Joyner, right? Is this, is this the week? Well... And with the way that it works out, he has played the one game against Furman. 
can still play in up to three games and preserve that red shirt. So if you wanted to roll him out here for the final three games, I mean, what have you got to lose at this point, right? Yeah, I mean, I think this is when it would make sense to, to make it happen. We'll see if the, the staff feels the same way. you got to imagine that's been in the oh, in sure. the playbook all year long. This might make sense to, to make it happen. We'll see if the, the staff feels the same way. you got to imagine that's been in the oh, in sure. the playbook all year long. This might make sense for a time to do it. And, by the way, did y'all see, or did you see, Tyler, a little glimpse of what could have been the, um, what does Philadelphia call it, the tush push? Oh, the brotherly shove. Um, now, they, they didn't shove Rattler. They did they, not. They had a couple of quarterback sneaks last week. Yes. And it looked like they had guys in position to where if he had been stuffed, yeah. he could have potentially done that. I think they were lined up a little bit wider. Sure than Philadelphia does it. But. Yeah, it, it looked like that um, That sneak that he got when Simon's touchdown got mm-hmm. called back. It, they lined up that way, but like you said, the, the backs didn't end up pushing them. They didn't have to. <laughs> we're in position to do that. Yeah, that, that play's kind of taken over football, and I imagine there's going to be rules in the offseason to prevent that, but for the but time use being... use it until then, right? Use it until then, that's right. They don't typically change rules in the middle of the season, but yeah, they definitely gave that look that they could have done it uh, if they needed to there. So if if you're South Carolina and you you put in sellers, let's say it's third and one, do you do you go under center and and push him and say, look, dude, you're you're huge. Yeah, let's just shove you up in there. Or do you put him in the shotgun where he's been more comfortable and put stack the two guys in front of him like he did his entire senior his entire senior year? They just they did the the high school version of the Wildcat where. The entire world knows you're running it, and sure. you just cannot stop him. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I think those are two options for him. Well, he's uh, he's certainly a load when he's running downhill. I wouldn't that, want to be in a position to try and stop him myself. Yeah, me either. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe yeah. this week, right? It's Let's some, hold out it's something to keep an eye on because you can maybe. still preserve his red shirt, and you know maybe the NCAA will do the thing they did last year where the bowl game won't count against him either. So, uh, something to maybe see this upcoming weekend against Vanderbilt. That'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Halftime show with myself and Terry Ford coming up as the uh, Thursday rolls on here on the game. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 
1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.